This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Green and White. Four games to discuss, a win over Oxford United, a draw with Fleetwood Town and previewing the big one on Tuesday and the trip to Peterborough on the weekend. Joining me this week are Joe. All good? Not really. Um, bit bunged up, but I'm here. That's all that matters. There'll be a running theme of that, I'm sure. John Allsop, how, how did you pie at the Kassam compared to the one you had at Hillsborough? Uh, I had a burger at the Kassam, actually, uh, from like the one food truck outside that away end with no stand. Um, well, no, sorry, the behind the goal stand with no stand, I should say, because the away end is not an end. Um, it was pretty good. I don't know if it was exceptional on the burger uh, standings as the pie at Sheffield Wednesday would be on the pie standings, but it was, um, you know, not bad. Sam Down's uh, cheesy chips that I purchased for him did not look very appealing, though. So maybe Wednesday still holds the. Uh, the upper hand in the food wars. Maybe that's why Sam's not joined us today. Another pod debut. This time we're delighted to welcome Nick, the man behind PAFC displays, the incredible TIFOs, banners, flags. We've all seen Grace Home Park in recent seasons. Great to have you on board, Nick. How's things? Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, good. Yeah, no, not too bad. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Let's just go through these chronologically. Let's obviously start with a 3-1 away win. Let's start with some positives to Oxford United. Uh, John, seeing as you were at the Kassam and you've already spoken us through the food options, why don't you take this one? Give us a little lowdown. Well, first and foremost, it confirmed my opinion that Oxford is the worst away day in this or perhaps any of the uh, tiers of the Football League. A truly hellish ground to get to, an awful ground when you get there. Uh, no home atmosphere this time either, which I think at least on our previous visit there, there had been, you can perhaps see that their very poor performances in recent weeks slash underwhelming season on the whole of perhaps taken a toll on the number of people willing to turn up on a, on a Tuesday night for... Did you visit the Hollywood Bowl? No, I did not visit the Hollywood Bowl. Mm. Um, we uh, went for a, a drink in the city centre before. Uh, all the buses to the ground were uh, cancelled because of a, a very nasty looking accident, unfortunately, but we managed to get a cab out anyway. Um, it's, it's, it would have nonetheless been difficult to get to and, and getting back uh, to London afterwards was a bit tricky. But um, griping about the uh, location of the ground aside, 
Um, I thought the performance was was good. You know, were we at our scintillating best? No. Visibly, we were playing the poorest Oxford side that we've confronted for a long time. Um, I thought they were not a patch on the side that we played there last season, even though the result in the N3-1 was the same. Um, you know, obviously a team that, as I mentioned, that's at a low ebb. Um, and, and I think it's fair to say that we'd have had to put in a better performance against better opposition to win the game. But I thought, you know, as, as is always the case, or very often the case with this Argyle side, it was not the case on Saturday, which I guess we'll come on to. Um, we did enough to to win the game. I thought in the first half, we were miles better than them um, without that necessarily leading me to be thrilled with the performance. I mean, we certainly looked by far the more dangerous side. Um, went ahead with a really nicely worked goal, very well finished by Butcher, and then conceded from a terrible individual error from Lon Vike and a really poor piece of goalkeeping from Callum Burton, which was very unfortunate at a time where I felt we were ascendant in the game. We let them right back in. There was a moment in the second half where I kind of felt, you know, that we were not going to kick on to win the game, that maybe it was one of those that was grinding down into a surprise 2-1 defeat or even a, even a draw. First part of the second half I thought was quite boggy. But, um, but you know, we, we rested back the upper hand. And, and yeah, once um, Saxon early put in that, that debut goal or full debut goal, uh, I was not convinced by him talking about his debut goal on the aftermatch interview. After the interview, I said, let's ignore your actual debut for us and pretend this was your debut. Um, but yeah, his his full debut goal. Uh, I, I never really felt after that that we were going to we were going to throw the game away. We just looked too comfortable. And yeah, in the end, obviously, Ryan Hardy with a clinical injury time finish for the third and, and should have put uh, the fourth in the net. Um, although not really his fault that he wasn't picked out open in front of goal with the last kick of the game. So... Yeah, we were by far the better side. I think that's, that's partially an indication of how far we've come uh, since we last played at the Kassam. Also an indication of how far Oxford have fallen off. Um, you know, not the not the greatest performance we've ever seen, but yeah, a, a victory where we, we did enough. And I thought there were some individual performances that at least in flashes were really, really promising as well. So, uh, you know, a good night out, as good, as good a night out as going to that hellhole of a stadium can be. You mentioned briefly there about Saxon early. Personally, I thought he'd play quite well, um, but you said that you didn't seem that convinced. Um, so, so I think looking back on it now, I think he had really good periods of the game and periods where he looked a little wobbly. Uh, in the first half, he was playing a lot of it right in front of us because we were sort of sat adjacent to our girls' left wing-back position uh, in, in that part of the stadium. Um, and I thought you know, during that first half, he looked really, really lively, very assured on the ball, very confident that there was one run forward where I felt he needed to have a bit more um, composure, sort of pick out a pass or have a shot. I think in the end, you just sort of ran into a defender after carrying the ball a really long way. That that was sort of a nosebleed territory moment a little bit, um, which I think someone like Bally Mumba, for instance, would have had, you know, the quality to probably make something out of that. So, so I think he's still someone who's raw. You could tell he maybe hasn't played a ton of games at this level because he hasn't, but um, I certainly really like the look of him in, in spells. Um yeah, and obviously got his got his goal, which was just a sort of nice piece of following in sort of striker striker's instincts for a left wing back. Um, but no, I was impressed with him in, in spells. Finazaz in, in spells, I think he's yet to recapture his very best form since coming back from injury. Um, and I suspect that might be a a feature of the analysis of the Fleetwood game that's to come, although I wasn't there. But I thought in spells in the first half, Azaz looked really, really good. Um, swept some very like inviting early balls over the top. I think if Hardy had had a better touch or just been slightly more on the same wavelength as Azaz on a couple of occasions, he might have been in. Um, yeah, there was some there was some really nice, really nice performances. I watched the game with, obviously on, on iFollow, you can switch 
um, you can switch commentaries. Uh, and I listened to it with the BBC Oxford commentary. I like I like the away uh, aspect. Um, it's brilliant to see how partisan each local commentator is. Uh, they seem pretty incensed by a few of the decisions. Uh, towards the end, our time wasting uh, with with Mumba uh, not taking the closest exit, uh, Burton lying on the ball at every opportunity, Houghton not rushing to take the corner. It was just great to. Uh, to finally be like, have a different side to our game where we're we're uh, boiling uh, rather than rather than opposition, which is always good to see. Yeah, I think that being incensed by that is a bit over the top. And I would point out that yeah, while while there certainly were some slow runs off the pitch, um, we scored in injury time and nearly scored again in injury time. Could have had two goals right at the end of the game, so it's not like we stopped trying to go and put the ball in their net. Um, we got a couple did. of comments that they mentioned, which was, uh, how have they beaten us? They're no better than the U's. Uh, not a fair scoreline. 3-1 flatters them, but they were ruthless and incredibly efficient. They've done the dirty stuff well. And how did their uh, game against the U's work out for them on Saturday? I wonder. Former, former Plymouth player Lloyd-Jones, of course, with the goal, the only goal in that one, I believe. Um, as, as Cambridge beat them by a goal to nil. Um, no, I think that's ludicrous. Uh, we were clearly better than them. Much, 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 much better than them. Um, again, without being our fluent best, they were extremely limited. And I think I would, even if I were them, be very concerned about getting sucked into the relegation mire as the as the end of the season approaches. I'm not entirely sure how many points clear they are at the moment, but um, we all have... Uh, a memory of a team that was seemingly lower mid-table and safe in League One, in fact, getting sucked down into League Two. So uh, it can happen, and, and they seem to be on an absolutely terminal run of form at the moment. Um, do you have to worry about the future of Carl Robinson at the club as well? Perhaps he's taken them as far as he can. So, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't necessarily buy, buy that uh, grumbling. I'm just having a look now. I mean, they're only seven points clear of 21st, having played a game more than, than MK Dons and two more than the teams immediately below MK Dons, including Cambridge, to whom they lost on Saturday. To me, I think I'd be a little bit more worried about their travails at that end of the table than litigating how long our subs took to run off the pitch if I, if I were them. Talking about teams uh, down that end of the table, um, I think anybody below second to me is is down that end of the table. Obviously, we, we picked up a draw against Fleetwood. A first draw at home all season. Joe, do you want to run us through this one first? Won't take long, will it? For games in potential promotion winning seasons that you remember, um, we will not be remembering Fleetwood at home that finishes nil-nil. There aren't going to be too many sides that take four points off us this season. Good luck to them. Defended well. Came with very little interest in playing football. That's not a negative thing. They're, they're just realistic, I think. Um, very well drilled, very well organised. I did wonder through the first half, whether or not they'd be able to sustain it for 19 plus minutes. They did. I don't think we helped ourselves at times. I personally speaking, I think there was almost an air of an arrogance to our performance that we, there was no real urgency as such. We just seemed to be knocking it about in first gear and uh, we couldn't get in second gear. Um, we had a few moments in the first half, Hardy and Wright, getting through, um, but there just wasn't enough urgency. There was a 10-minute spell where we pressed when Fleetwood rarely had the ball. And um you know, we made it we made it tricky for them in that respect. But I mean second half was one-way traffic. They have the 
the Marriott chance it goes wide. They have the Vela chance it goes wide. But other than that, it was just a siege. Uh, and surprisingly to me, we didn't have the tools to break them down. Um, John referred to Saxon earlier running at a fullback and not being able to take it past them. And a player of Bali Mumba's quality would be able to. Well, he wasn't able to yesterday. Um, I counted at least two occasions where he ran at a fullback and kept running past the fullback as the fullback went the other way with the ball. Did then hit a screamer from 30 yards that was the best moment of the game for us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I accept that. You know, those go in if the keeper's not there. Not a patch on Saxon early's uh, one-yard finish at Oxford, obviously. But uh... No, exactly. I thought... I actually called um, the fact that we'd go with two number 10s and only one striker before the game to a friend. Um, I thought that's the route we went. I'm not sure it had the effect that Shuey perhaps wanted. I thought uh, maybe it was one game too many this week for Finazaz. I don't think he looked his sharpest. Um, Callum Wright had a good first half, but sort of drifted second half for me. Uh, I thought the hooking of Tyreek Wright on the 55th minute was harsh. Um, I thought any of the good deliveries into the box were coming from him. He put two or three wicked balls in in the first half. Um, I thought he could feel hard done by. Um, but the fact of the matter is, is that when teams come and sit in a low block, we have to do better than that. And there are going to be very few teams who have the footballing ability or intellectually intellectual ability to come down here between now and May and actually go toe-to-toe with us in a game of football. That's just fact because of the position they're in in the table. And if we don't do better than what we did yesterday, then we're going to struggle to break them down. It's not a knee-jerk reaction. It's just fact. Um, you know, we we do have to do better. We can't just assume that because we've only lost one game at home all season, we're going to brush everyone to one side. That's not going to happen. Um, but I do understand that it was the third game in a week. They did put an awful lot into the Portsmouth game last weekend. Um, there was a lot of hard work that went into Tuesday night. And, you know, perhaps it was just one game too many. And look, if you'd said to us at the start of the week, seven points, we probably would have taken it. Um, so you just got to move on. It's a clean sheet for Burton, which is a positive. Not that he had too much to do. Um, but too many players had an off day for me. Um, you can afford one or two, but when you look through the side and, you know, Azaz Hardy's finishing wasn't great. Azaz, I don't think Matete shone himself in a particularly good light yesterday at times. Um, you know, Mumba didn't have any impact off the bench. Miller didn't have a great impact off the bench. Uh, Cosgrove had zero impact off the bench. Um, Ennis should have scored. Let's be honest about it. He should have scored. Um, so it is what it is. It's a no-no. It's a point. Um, it's a clean sheet. It's another point closer to the championship. And this is going to happen between now and the end of the season. We've just got to be realistic and work harder than we did yesterday when teams sit in a low block. Nick, how was your view from the newly named Babcock Dimple end? Yeah, no, I, to be honest, I, I agree with a lot of what Joe said there. I mean, like Joe said, you, you can afford to have one or two players on an off day. But I mean, yesterday it was clear that quite a few of them were off the pace and some of the decision making wasn't great. And we were trying to we're trying to thread balls through the Ivan needle. And it's just when the simple ball is on, just pick the simple ball. Um, we, I, it almost came across as if towards the end of the second half, they were trying to force it a bit too much. Um, 
I think we were patient up until about 70 minutes, 75 minutes. And at that point, it started to look a little bit more desperate. And we started to almost force it and rush it a bit too much, if that makes sense. Whereas other games that we've we've been in this season where we've scored late on, we've kept our composure, kept it tight, kept it, kept it calm and worked an opportunity. And like you say, Ennis should have scored uh, towards the end of the game. Um, again, like you said, uh, Matete, he... He's been brilliant since he's been here, but I think yesterday he was nowhere near what he's been like previously for us. And it wasn't through the lack of trying. It was just, I, I, from what I can tell, it's just one of those days from what I've seen. Um, but yeah, it's, it was frustrating, a very frustrating day. Um, I imagine the players would be just as frustrated as what fans were. And in the Devonport, and I had a few boos at full time, which made me laugh because I'm thinking we're, we're second in the league with 68 points. I mean, if you'd said that, to the start of the season, you'd be second in the league with 68 points going into into March. You just stacked your hand off for it. And so to hear a few boos going around the ground, I thought was a bit pathetic. Um, but yeah, no, it's, I think Joe summed up perfectly. It's a very, very frustrating day. Let's be fair. We're only looking at this result in this way because of the high standards and high performances we've set this season. Correct. Like in isolation. Correct against a side that have a pretty good away record, in all fairness, compared to other teams in the division. So there are other teams in the league who'd snap their hand off a Fleetwood's away record. And Shuey's right in what he said after the game. You do sometimes have to give the opposition credit and full credit to Stephen Whitaker and Scott Brown, as much as it pains me to give Scott Brown praise, um, that they just set their side up with a regimented attitude that, thou shalt not pass. And they made it very difficult for Argyle. I mean, second half, I, I know I said they came really not to play much football. They tried every trick in the book in the last half hour to just disrupt Argyle. Like the referee was giving out yellow cards, like business cards, second half. Um, and he could have given out more than what he did. Um, but look, they, they earned their point. They worked hard for their point. I'd imagine there's a few tired bodies that got off that coach when they got back to the Northwest early hours this morning. Um, but fair play to them. And actually, I saw somebody giving grief on Twitter, going a little bit off tangent, uh, last night or even this morning, um, about the 107 Fleetwood fans who made the long journey down yesterday. I give them immense credit because a lot's made of attendances in football and away crowds. Not everyone is as fortunate to have a following like us. We're lucky that there's no real club within a 100-mile radius of us. Um and we are lucky to have the fan base we've got. Fleetwood had 107 diehard supporters who made a bloody long trip yesterday at an awkward time of year. They knew their side weren't going to offer a great amount for them to get behind. You couldn't hear them too much, but when they did, they made their noise. Um, but unfair criticism was given to the Fleetwood support yesterday. Um, and I take my hat off to all 107 of them. And, you know, at least they got a point for their efforts. Yeah, completely agree, man. The army of COD. It's also, you know, not that long ago that we were we had terrible, like, away following and a, a terrible home support, really, you know, compared to what we're getting yeah. now. You know, just just, just prior to Ryan Lowe taking over, I heard from a well-placed Scouse source in the autumn of 2021. Yeah, like, recency bias is obviously easy for us to be like, you know, we're massive, we're, you know, we we, we sell out every week now, but, you know... That comes with success. That comes with success, though, doesn't it, Aaron? I mean, I mean, look, going back to the administration days when we were when we were really struggling. What were the attendances then? Six thousand, seven thousand. 
I mean, look, now we're flying high in the league. We're, you know, we're putting in brilliant performances, playing entertaining football, and all of a sudden the ground's full. So it, it comes with it comes with that as well. Even before that, free like tickets in the Herald and stuff like you know, it, it's so easy to just yeah. And there and there are a lot of clubs in that area for young supporters to choose from. And Fleetwood may not be the most fashionable choice for them, even if they are from a diehard Fleetwood family. Um, and it just really irritates me the fact that people find it so easy to criticise this sport. Yeah, all right, it's great. We take fifteen hundred to Oxford on a Tuesday night, and we'll take another. 1500 to Peterborough on Saturday, whatever. Who cares? You know, 107 people paid their money. They made that long trip, and we all know how long these trips are. Um, I just think they need a bit more respect than what some people were giving them on Twitter yesterday. I think we took about that when we, we played them, when we beat them 3 0, 4 0. Luke Young scored that night. 4 0, wasn't it? Tuesday night. Yeah, we took, Luke we took about that. I mean, granted, it's a Saturday, Tuesday, whatever, but fine. Um, get back to the game anyway. Obviously, another another week, another game. Obviously, three three games in a in a week. Shuey roulette back in force. I've told myself not to be so react this season, which you know, granted, I am being. But do do we have to question the constant need for some of the changes? Obviously, like players like Early Butcher, Cosgrave, all played well on Tuesday. You know, great performances against Pete at uh, Portsmouth, and then you know, Early's not even in the squad. There's no mayor. Do we feel like there's just changes for changes' sake, or do we think that Shuey's actually put out his strongest side there, or do we think he's holding back for Tuesday? Just throwing it out there. Yeah, I'm gonna say I think he probably has a plan in place. I mean, like I said, I don't think he's the type of manager that would make changes for making changes' sake. They, they go through all the analytics. They go for the data analytical side of things as well, and they look at and he's he's openly said that he'll pick a team based on what the data is telling him. Um, so I trust him. Um, I've said to, I've said to my parents, I mean, I go, I go to the fans fest in the GT suite before the games at Home Park, and uh, I said to my family there, I said, well, every time a team comes out, you, you, you struggle to pick the 11. And, I, and I've said to my dad many times, I will not question his selection because every time he seems to pick a team, or I say every time, nine times out of 10, he picks a team, and it's, it's competitive. All right, we didn't get the three points on on Saturday, uh, but nine times out of 10, that team that he picks will do the job that he needs them to do. And it's having them fit and ready to go. So everyone's there. They know they're going to get a chance. They're all competitive. They're all looking to take each other's places. I think it helps with the the competitive side of things with in terms of keeping them on their toes and keeping them up to, up, up to speed in terms of match fitness as well. Um, so I, I don't think it's changing for changing sake. I, I do think there is almost a method to the madness, if that makes sense. Um, which, and, and like I say, I, I'm completely going to trust him because at the moment, more more times out of, more times than many, he pulls it out of the back. So. Yeah, yeah, I completely I'm, agree. It's just, it's just got to be asked. Like, I, I, I don't know if that's just me overreacting. And obviously the result, had we rolled Fleetwood 3-4-0, three, three, it wouldn't, wouldn't have even asked that, I'm sure. But No, exactly, yeah, no. No, Danny Mayer on the side again. Have I missed something? Do we know why he's not there? Am I not up to date? Do we need Do we need to start a Argo Green and White Argo Life Green and White podcast campaign? Hashtag free Danny Mayer. Has he not been injured? He was injured in the build-up to the Sheffield Wednesday game, wasn't he? And then Schumacher sort of hints. He was obviously in the squad for the Portsmouth game. Yeah, he was on the bench for Portsmouth game, wasn't he? Yeah. I can't remember if he was on the bench Tuesday night or not. I'm gonna, not going to make an outlandish statement. I've already made one mistake like that this season um, regarding squad availability. But yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, what I will say um, is 
I'm not totally sure that he would have made a massive amount of difference yesterday just because I think we could have had 20 players on the pitch and we probably might have struggled to break Fleetwood down just because of how resolute they were. Um, but it is, yeah, it's odd. Um, I guess we're just so used to seeing Danny Mayer number 10 on the Twitter list at two o'clock every week that now that we're having a run where we don't know why he's out, that he's not in there, that we're highlighting it. But um, I wouldn't be too, I wouldn't be too shocked if he featured on Tuesday night. I've just had a look, Gil. You know, he was in the squad on on Tuesday. He was on the bench there. Oh, there you go. Yeah, he was available. In that case, I, I can't offer an answer as to why he wasn't in the squad yesterday. Fair enough. Should we roulette? There's some, there's some uh, comparisons with Pep, right? Second in the league, looking forward to a big midweek cup game. Sure, he's got more hair. Yeah, true. Oh, okay, I'll stop with my boring questions about Danny Bear and go to the Twitter questions. We've got seven. And that's been that's been filtered down. So let's just go through these. Uh, we might have touched on some of them anyway. Sam Barker comes in with uh, we'd have all taken seven points from the last three. We just ended up dropping points for the easiest game on paper. Uh, how much of a wobble do those that booed need to give their heads? Obviously, Nick, you touched on that already, but uh, it, that's a madness, isn't it? Who's booing that? Like, granted, you can boo the individual performance, but like to to boo when you're second. It baffled me. Like I said, I, I, I had to stand there because I sit at the very back of block four and I felt the full time whistle went and I heard the booze and I'm thinking, what is going on? We, we've lost one game at home this season. We've just drawn. So we've only dropped five points at home all season. We're sitting second in the league and you boo it. I just, it, I, I don't know whether these people remember this, what football we played back in the banter years, but it was dross then. This is miles, miles, miles far better than what we were playing back then. You know, we've we've actually got something to be positive about. And then you go and boo a team for having one off day. It just it baffled me. Really does. I think anyone that booed really needs to turn around and look at what they're actually booing. If that makes sense, because they're not they're not booing a team that are bottom of the league and struggling to put points together. They're booing a team that have dropped five points at home all season. I remember booing after the Hartlepool away and I felt bad even then. We were dreadful. That's when Paul Hayes came over and gave us abuse. The only time I booed Foreign Argo was Accrington away when they beat us 5-1 the day before Adams got sacked. And that was the worst game of football I've ever been to in my life. It was freezing cold, hammering down with rain. And that, that was a team that deserved to be booed because they just didn't put anything in. This team don't deserve that. Every week they're putting in, or this week, this weekend they didn't put in a performance of the same standard as what we're used to. Maybe that's because we're spoiled, and that that's why these people have booed. But yeah, it, it was it just baffled me. I actually think that Sam's question gets to a more interesting tension than the booing, which I think we can all agree was ridiculous. Uh, and I speak as someone who, who likes a good boo from time to time, uh, maybe more so than some of the others in this chat by the sound of it. But um, yeah, and certainly including that, that dreadful Accrington game, although I believe there were three pints that day, which was a silver lining. Um, but, I, but I think um, I actually would take issue with Fleetwood at home being the easiest game on paper out of the three. Um, they draw a lot of games, I think, as, as Joe mentioned earlier, I believe they actually have, or maybe Aaron, they, have, they actually have a pretty good away record. Um, we lost to them earlier in the season. That was pretty much how I was expecting that game to play out. I thought we might nick it 1-0, 2-1, but I was not expecting... A blowout. Whereas going to Oxford on Tuesday, 
again, you, you don't want to exactly expect a particular result, but I did think this is a team that I think have a soft underbelly. I think I would put, the, put them in the MK Dons bracket of being a team that try to play football that their players are not good enough for or that their form is not good enough for. Um, and I think that I think that played out. And I think in the end, we exposed that soft underbelly and cut through them when we wanted to um, without without playing particularly well. I think with Fleetwood, when you're not at your best, you're going to have a, a stultifying, nasty, attritional game of football. And that's exactly what we got. Um, I guess for me, the question mark is, I, I don't think that result in isolation is concerning at all, um, because I think actually it goes with the data, right? Again, Fleetwood, surprisingly resilient to their league position. You could very much foresee that result individually. I guess my question is, did we, do, do we have a harder time breaking down teams that are going to come and throw 11 men behind the ball at home park than we have playing against top sides in the league who let us play football? Because the first half of the season, there would seem to be some evidence for that, right? Had a fantastic start in games against big clubs that play, by and large, decent football, and then had, you know, a wobble, if you count draws as a wobble, very often against teams in the lower half of the league. Um, now, that was often away from home. I mean, very pretty much entirely away from home, apart from that Port Vale game. And also we had injuries, and I think a very threadbare squad that we don't have now. So those would be factors that would point to that being perhaps a wobble that would have happened against anyone. But, you know, I think you do have to look at that Fleetwood game, maybe ask, is there something that makes us more likely to beat a Portsmouth and Oxford you know, than teams that are going to come and play attritionally against us. And that becomes potentially decisive because we have a lot of games like that between now and the end of the season. Fortunately for us, I don't think we've got a lot of games against teams who are as effective at doing that as Fleetwood. But, you know, there are other teams, Lincoln, for example, who have taken very good results against some of the teams right at the top of the league. For me, that's the kind of broader question I would I would tease out. I don't think necessarily we're a club, to come back to the original question, that has a kind of linear relationship to how easy a game is on paper versus not. Um, and I guess maybe we're all going to experience some nervy moments as a result of that between now and the end of the season. Or we might not, but um, I guess that's the question I'm kind of chewing over on the back of, of Saturday's game. That's a long, a long ass reason to justify why you booed. I didn't boo. I, was, I wasn't there uh, and certainly would not have booed if I, if I had been, uh, just, just to be very, very clear. Let's move on to a question from Huge Gills. Whether he's a fish, I don't know. Or they're a fish, I don't know. Uh, we look far better in a 3-4-1-2 than a 3-4-2-1. Hardy's not strong enough and Cosgrove's not mobile enough to play up front on their own, on the, alone. But as a pair, they're very good. Discuss, and I'm going to couple that with Joe Harmer's question of why do you think Shuey changed the team and dropped Cosgrove? Disagree with the first point. 3-4-2-1 um, is what got us to the top of the table at Christmas. Um, we only switched to two up front recently. Um, yeah, okay, it worked against Portsmouth and Oxford, but um, very similar to Bolton's run of form at the moment. Um, if you look at the games, their recent games where they haven't picked up maximum points has been against Derby, Argyle and Wickham, um, and they're beating everyone else who are at the bottom of the table. Um, I just think... Until you do it and you're able to do it against a top side, then I won't believe that it's true. Um, I just think it worked against Portsmouth and Oxford. I don't think we can read too much into it. As I said, when I was summarising the game, I I predicted that we'd go back to the 3-4-2-1. Um, it didn't surprise me that we only went one up front. 
Um, and I don't think any of us were complaining at the start of the season when it was working so well. Um, it, it doesn't worry me playing one up front. Um, I think it was a massive boost. One of the positives I didn't touch on earlier was the fact that Niall Ennis came back yesterday, who, um, for me, pound for pound is our best striker. Um, so, you know, he, he plays very well as a one. I think we'd all agree he plays very well as a one up front. Um because somehow he is able to boss defenders. Um, I don't know how. Um, it just shows how good a player he is. Um, but, yeah. What was the other point about Hardy, sorry? Um, Hardy's not strong enough and Cosgrove's not mobile enough to play up front alone. But as a pair, they're very... Let's be, let's be fair. If Hardy had put away one of those chances in the first half, would we, still, would we be sat here saying he's not strong enough to do it? He's he's not in there to be a battering ram. He's in there to make runs in behind the back line. And actually, two or three times in the first half, he really got in behind Fleetwood. So, yeah, OK, he's not strong enough in does the this, physical does this sense. Play, obviously, I don't want to ask questions for them, but does this play into the fact that we have got a lot more direct recently opposed to the start of the season when we were... Have you got any long ball statistics for us? For no, I haven't. Saturday's game? You know, are we preempting the fact that we, we are those like more direct, so therefore. Maybe, but let's be fair. Some of those direct balls, particularly from Lomvike early in the first half yesterday, were exquisite. Um, he weighted them perfectly. Um, and when we get it right, we look very good doing it. Um, yeah, possibly, but I wouldn't dwell too much on it. Look, we, we drew a blank. How many times this season have we drew, drawn a blank? Not very often is the answer to that. Um, so it obviously highlights it when it doesn't go your way. Um, so yeah, just just move on. I'm sure we, you know, I I don't make predictions on starting 11s, but I would hazard a guess that we will go two up front against Peterborough next Saturday. But that's just the only prediction I'm going to give about it. Question from Clifford-Hyphen-Green Army. We've not scored a single goal in front of the Babcock-Devonport end. Is it a time to end the naming rights debacle and where will it stop? Are we fully expecting a Burt's Crisps home park or a, a Ginster's grandstand? I would, I would just say that uh, uh, it, it could be worse. Bolton Wanderers have today announced that they will be, as of next season, playing in the tough sheet uh, and that's not something you need to bleep out, Aaron, because that is the name of a local construction business. The Tough Sheet, uh, I think, Community Stadium or Stadium. So, um, yeah, it could be worse. That's going to be brilliant when, like, Wickham shithouse a 1-0 win there, isn't it? That's just outstanding. You mean house? Exactly. No plans in the pipeline for uh, a Ginsters grandstand. The Stephen Schumacher grandstand as of next season, I think. I don't really care about naming rights as long as it's nothing's changed fully, i.e. if we do sell it and it's Ginster's home park, that's fine. As long as it doesn't become the Ginster Stadium, that's when I'll start having problems, to be honest. Any, yeah. any money in the pot at the moment, don't really care. Uh, FX go out the window. I'll take the money. We'll stay up in the championship. Thank you. Next question comes from Green Army 1989. Which team of the chasing pack should you be most worried about? Are you worried about any of them? Nick? Derby scare me. Um, I think they're creeping up slowly, aren't they? They're, they're putting some good results together and they're slowly starting to climb that table and looking to press that third, fourth spot at the moment. And once they get to there, they'll be looking at second. Um, is it Have they started that run too late? Possibly. But we've just got to keep doing what we're doing at the end of the day. We've, we've got to keep our heads down. We've got to keep getting our results in. 
then we don't need to worry about what they're doing. So, but yeah, the only team that I really see possibly, possibly catching or pressing for those top two spaces, probably Derby for me. There's only one team that scare me, Plymouth Argyle. Hey. It's it's all in our hands. Don't have to worry about anyone else. As long as we keep picking up results, they won't catch us. We're eight points clear. It's all that matters. Last question comes from George Wood. And uh, Joe, I think you might take exception to this after you said that he was relatively good on Saturday. He says, uh, is Tyreek right out of his depth in our squad? Do you agree it seems like an odd signing when his best position for Bradford was as an out-and-out winger and he clearly cannot wing back? Nowhere near the levels of Mumba, Miller and Early and others, in my opinion. Football's all a game of opinions, isn't it? Yeah, I, th- I thought he I thought he was harsh to be pulled after 55 minutes yesterday. I really did. I thought... It I does seem like an why. odd signing, though, right? Like, out of, out of all of them, like... Yeah, I didn't expect it. I didn't expect us to go out and get somebody in that position. You know, when you think, obviously, that Connor Grant is potentially coming back fit in April or whenever it will be, I don't know, um, seems to be gone on forever. He'll be there on the open top bus tour parade, I'm sure. And and on and on the booze cruise. If we look at it in context of our wing backs that we currently have on the books, how many of them would you actually see as out and out wing backs? Like how many of them can offer you fifty percent in attacking and fifty percent in defending? And are they complete wing back? I would argue none of them. And that's not a criticism of them. That's just the way they are. Um, Bali Mumba, we all agree, is outstanding going forward, but. We, we didn't agree know. with that earlier in the podcast, Joe. <laughs> on this occasion, he ran past the ball a couple of times, yeah. Um, you're very quick to pick up on my mistakes, John, aren't you? Gosh. Um, yeah, I mean, out and out. The host, won't, the host won't do it, so, uh, you know, someone has to. Nah, he's a chicken, isn't he? Um, he doesn't want to embarrass himself. Okay. Um, chicken. That's why we've not ventured to YouTube yet. He's happy to stay behind an audio podcast. Um, but yeah, look, Mumba as an attacking sense is a very good player, but defensive, defensively, he can be a liability. Mikel Miller, I mean, we haven't seen enough of him to make a proper judgment about him. Um, Saxon Early, I would argue that we haven't seen anywhere near enough of him to make a comment about him. Whereas at least Tyree Wouldn't Wright has... It's too early to say, Joe. <laughs> um, other jokes will come your way I'm sure by the end of this pod from John he's in one of their moods um, but I'd you know you could then counter argument what I'm saying by with have we seen enough of Tyreek Wright to make an assessment perhaps you would say not but at least he started a few games as you say it was a, it was an odd signing it wasn't one I expected um, but I stand by what I said yesterday. I thought he was harsh to be pulled. I thought he put in two or three wicked crosses into the box. He's bloody quick. Um, I I wouldn't rush to make any rash judgments on player abilities on yesterday's game because we had so much of the ball. Um, you know, it's difficult, isn't it? But I'm rambling now for no reason. Yeah, we've already mentioned the win at Oxford earlier, obviously, uh, which means we've only lost once on a Tuesday night all season, that being the thumping away at Charlton. Uh, does this bode well for Tuesday? Nick, do you want to preview uh, Tuesday night's game with Cheltenham? Doesn't have to be long. Doesn't have to be short. No, it's fine. Um, I've 
Mm-hmm. Obviously, doing what I do with the flags at home part with PFC displays, I've been able to get to quite a few of the um, Pizza Cup games this year. And I've actually quite enjoyed them. They've been decent games. They've been competitive games. Um, I like the fact that we've put a decent amount of uh, youth team players in with experienced first team players. Joe, I know he's not a fan. Um, I wasn't, in all fairness, to begin with. I wasn't a fan of the competition. I'm not a fan of the the way that the under-23 teams or under-21 teams have been introduced to it. Um, but I like the format. I don't like the introduction of the 23s, but I like the format. I think it's a, it's a decent little competition to, to be in. And how often do you get a chance to go to Wembley and win a trophy, other than the playoffs history in the Football League? We haven't won it yet. We haven't, no. But how I said, I said, how do you, how often do you get the opportunity? So it's not, it doesn't come along very often. So I think let's go for it. Let's try and win the thing. Why not? It's a, it's a day out at Wembley. It's a, it's a cup. It's a cup competition. It's something that we can stick in a trophy cabinet. It, it, it's not very often we'll get a chance to see our team win a trophy at Wembley, unless it's a playoff game. And to be honest with you, I don't want to win playoff games. I want to go up automatically. So let's go and win a trophy at Wembley. I don't want to run over old ground that we've that we've mentioned like a thousand times and I like to bring it up every week just for Joe's reaction. But um, for me, hopefully it's our last... If, if Tuesday's our last game of the competition, so be it. If, if Wembley is our last game of the competition, so be it. As long as we're just not in the competition again until our under-23s are thrusted in our Premier League years. But... Um, and then we have a completely different spin on it anyway. But yeah, like you said, uh, we, don't see, we don't see Cheltenham being... Any, like that, that's all they've got left for their season, right? Like it, yeah, exactly. So, on paper, you'd say, Yeah, it should be a comfortable win, but like you said, all they've got really for this, I mean, they, they are struggling, they're not a million miles away from the bottom three, so they could get drawn into that relegation battle as well. So, you could argue, Do they want to focus on the league and do they want to do they want to rest players? It, it's one of those, it's one of those competitions that they could probably do that. Um, but for me, I think we should just go for it and do what we can um, to try and win the bloody thing. And sorry, just get rid of the cat there who keeps jumping up. But um, he wants to have an input as well. But uh, yeah, I t- just go and win it. And like I said, I don't. I, there's no reason why we shouldn't beat that Cheltenham side. We've we've beaten them twice this season. Um, we scored a hat full of goals against them the other, the other week at home park. So let's just let's just go and win it. Yeah, nice. La- last question on the matter: Should we get to Wembley? Have we got? Uh, have we got any plans from PAFC displays? Um, we'd like to do something. Um, we will speak to if we get there. We'll speak to the club and we'll speak to Wembley and find out what we need to do to to do some things. We'll probably, it probably won't be anything massive like a T4 or anything like that, but we could potentially take one of the big stadium flags that we've got. So potentially take the uh, We Are Argyle flag with people's names on it or even the other one that we've got, which covers the whole Devonport end, we could potentially take those two. They're both fire rated and we've got fire certificates for them. So they, they'll be all right to go in the ground. It's just logistics of how to get it there and how to get it out whilst we're there and getting it away and then getting it back to Plymouth. So, but yeah, we, we, we potentially do something. Yeah. Nice. Image right for Joe Bell's face for an I love the pizza cup. Hefo are available for a very modest fee. I was just going to say, can we not set up a crowdfunder for a massive, great big TIFO to go in one of the ends at Wembley? Should we make it of a Domino's pizza box? <laughs> Other pizza brands are available. Aaron, very quickly, I just want to give my thoughts on Tuesday night, if we can, um, because I, I do sometimes wonder if 
my opinions on the Football League trophy are taken somewhat out of context. I totally agree with Nick. We're in it now. Let's go and win it. The club have been very serious about winning it this year. I can totally understand the reasons behind why they've taken the serious approach to it with the squad that we have, um, particularly now when we have more players available to us, it is imperative they have game time. The club have made a decent, I would imagine, sum of money off the back of this tournament, perhaps not obviously the vast sums that we've made off recent FA Cup exploits, but it's obviously gone a small way to contributing to what was a brilliant January transfer window for us. I don't know how many tickets we've sold for the game. I hope those who are going along have a good night. Yeah, and, you know, I hope, those that go see us win and I hope we get to I, I do hope we win I do hope we get to Wembley I do hope we go and lift the trophy because as Nick says when was the last time Plymouth Argyle won a competition bar the 1995-1996 playoff final and that's not really a cup competition is it so um, we haven't achieved anything yet Cheltenham as you say they've nothing to play for bar the small matter of League One safety Nick refers to whether or not they will be dragged into a relegation battle um, I made the bold shout on a podcast the other week that I do think Cheltenham are very firmly involved in a relegation battle in this division, which prompted a bit of surprise at the time, but they've only won one game since. They're in a really tough spot. I did see an odd comment from Wade Elliott after Saturday that he said, the nature of this league is you every now and again, you are going to get spanked. I'm not sure I'd want my manager saying that sort of thing after Barnsley put three, uh, four past them. Um, could have been 400, I'd imagine. I expect us to turn up with a strong-ish side. I expect us to beat uh, Cheltenham. I expect Bolton to do a job on Accrington. And the Football League will then have their wish that two big clubs are at Wembley for the final. It won't. It will not be... Allegedly. 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 Uh, it won't be on the same level as Sunderland-Portsmouth from a few years ago. I'd be pretty sure of that. We're in it. Let's win it. I can see the positives. I can see why Schumacher's pro the competition. But obviously, I have my standpoint. Everyone knows my views. It's not a secret. Um, but yeah, look, I'm an Argo supporter. I want us to win every game we play. So let's go out there, do a job on Cheltenham, and everyone can have a bloody good day out in April. In the spirit of that Sunderland-Waterworth game, we'll be dancing in the uh, fountains of Trafalgar Square beforehand. We're just as big a club as them. And and not only that, I'd imagine the Devon and Cornwall Constabulary would really like Bristol Rovers to be moved to a Tuesday night after Exeter was moved to a Monday night this season. That would really cap their football season. Obviously, we've got Peterborough up next in the league. And luckily for me, it's, a, it's an all-digital ticket, so no chance of leaving that one at home. We've registered four wins in the last 11 meetings with the posh. Uh, zero draws and seven wins for them. Thoughts ahead of this one? Big one, right? Um, they're not going to park the bus. That's for sure. You'd hope not. They're going to come out and if we score five, they're going to try and score six. It's just the way Darren Ferguson sets them up in this division. They got tonked by Bolton last weekend, 5-0, to which prompted a feisty reaction, I think, from Darren McAntony on the podcast that he does. Um they then went to Morecambe yesterday and I saw that their three goals, two were with wicked deflections and one is where Connor Ripley made a rare mistake where it's gone through his legs. Um, but, you know, we're not going to be giving them that sort of luck, I would hope. Um, is it a bit, Every game's a big one though, Aaron, isn't it? We've got 14 of them left. 
How many cliches can we throw out now? Every game's a cup final. For me, though, for um, me, though, they're nine points behind Barnsley as it is. They lose this one, the playoffs are dead for them. For me. I think they're dead anyway. I think the only team we can get into that playoffs now are Wickham. I don't see anyone coming out of the pack. I know everyone says every year that one team comes out of the pack. I don't see it in this league this year. Um, I think they waited too long to make a change um, with Grant McCann. They've just lost too many games. As simple as that this year. They just lost too many games. They probably shouldn't have early in the season. Um, they're still a strong side. Let's not kid ourselves. They've still got some very good players at this level. Um but if you offered me a point now, I would take it. I'm not going to lie. I don't know who everyone else is playing next weekend. I don't really care. Um, but we've just got to keep picking up points, get as close to around 86, 87 points as we can, which is all I think we'll need. Um, and one more point on that journey will be very welcome at five o'clock on Saturday. But it's going to be tough. They're going to throw everything at us. We're going to have to be resolute. Um not quite resolute in Fleetwood's uh, stance on football, but, you know, there are gonna, there's going to be a lot of this game where we're under pressure, I think, and it will be a good, it will be a good test in a polar opposite way to how Saturday was a good test, because there are, as I met, referred to earlier, there are going to be very few teams who A, have the ability, but B, will have the game plan to go toe-to-toe with us in a game of football between now and May. Peterborough are going to be one of them who will try and go toe-to-toe with us in a game of football. So it should be open for us to get chances. So we'll see. But obviously we're going to win 5-0 and it will be another step closer to the championship. So I actually had an email from Peterborough United's media team asking to do a short piece in their programme for their pre-match notes um, from an Argyle fan point of view. And I actually said... um, little bit opposite to what Joe's just said, actually. I've actually just said to, to them that I feel if there's any team that could make a push for the playoffs, it could be them. Um, they've got an experienced manager who knows the league well, who knows the club well, who knows the fan base well. And if, if there's any team that's going to push, I've, I've said it could possibly be them. Um, they would need to go on a charge and, a, and get a surge of of results. As Joe's alluded to, you know, they've they've lost quite a few games, but I still think there's, if if... Darren Ferguson can get that squad firing and putting some back-to-back results together. I, I can see them possibly making a little bit of a surge. Yeah, I think I think for me, you know, we beat them on Saturday and then and then that's it for them. I think like like Joe said, they made the change too late, and then they made a backwards change for me. You you, you try something new. You can't, you can't just keep shuffling the same two managers and and just and expecting it to work. But it will work and it will work next season. And they'll be, you know, you know, they'll, they'll they'll win the league again, and then they'll they'll come back down again. And and if that if that's what they're happy with, that's fine. Uh, I look for, always look forward to a game at Peterborough. Obviously, the last time out was the four 0 win, a Ryan Hardy double. Hopefully, same again. Is that in the proper competition that we play in every now and again? The League Cup, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. Luke Just checking. Kamara. Kamara, yeah, I think so. Yeah, that was that was after we got we got beat by Rotherham, but then we went there on the Tuesday night and we expecting to get smashed again, and and we smashed them. So hopefully, same again Saturday. And also, Nick, whilst we've got you, how can people get involved? How can people help support PAFC displays? So we've got our own website, which people can make donations to. So um, it's via PayPal. So it's just www.pafcdisplays.co.uk. 
Um, and on there, we do sell like you see the stickers that people take to away games and things like that as well. Um, we've got some uh, beach towels that we, you know, we sell just to try and raise some money. We've just recently got some cushions, which are quite nice. So we just uh, pre-ordered, we've just made these, got these uh, ordered up. So they're quite nice. Um, it's all on the website. We've got a little shop section on the website there, which people can order stuff through. Or if they want to just make a donation, then there's um, just a little donate button you can click on and people can donate that way as well. Yeah, nice. And in terms of if, if they don't want to make a monetary contribution, but they volunteer their time, how do they go yeah, about Yeah, by all means. So we're always looking for people to help um, prior to match days, especially when we do something big like the TFOs. So there's an awful lot of time that goes into sorting those plastic sheets and then counting them to make sure we've got enough and then actually physically putting them out onto seats. I mean, the last time, the last one we did for Gordon Sparks, I think we it took about, I think it was about seven hours for five people each to to do that display. Um, but there's also the time then sorting as well and counting out the sheets as well. So it's, it's an awful lot of time. So we're always looking for people to volunteer. So keep an eye on the um, Twitter pages and our Facebook. And I'll share things on free chat and things like that as well, just to, when we're looking for help um, and people can just give us a shout and we'll let you know where, where, where and when. Nine times out of ten, it's under the Devonport end. Um, but yeah, it's not, not a problem. More the merrier, to be honest. The more help we can get, the better. If anyone knows a washing machine that can take a 25-meter by 19-meter flag, then um, let us know because we'd love to be able to wash it sometime. We, we don't get it out very often because we want to keep it. We want to keep it as fresh and clean as possible because it means a lot to people. Because there's some people that have put names on there of, of family members who have passed away or Argyle fans and things like that. So we try and keep it as nice and tidy as we can. That's why it never comes out when it's wet because it's we've got no chance of drying it and no way of cleaning it so cause it's just too big it doesn't fit in any sort of laundrette washing machine at all so yeah nice sounds good and obviously next time it happens we'll we'll give that little retweet and a shout out as well all good Perfect. um like i said cheers for jumping on nick appreciate that not a problem anytime cheers joe see you next week mate viva neil warnock with that brings a close to another green and white pod brought to you by argyle life be sure to follow us on twitter like on Facebook and keep up to date with all things Argyle by checking out www.argyle.life. As always, with all listens, old and new, we really appreciate if you could leave a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you found us. Every rating helps us beat that algorithm. See you next week. days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com and there it is that's as good as it gets on this stage nissan townstar ev strikes again it's an unstoppable van unstoppable Look, just fantastic you can actually see the pro pilot technology in action effortless parallel parking it moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty and with a bench full of all-star van experts there's real strength in depth here that's all-star quality search nissan townstar ev and visit your local all-star van center to see for yourself Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. 
This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.